For the second straight year, North Carolina suffers their most damaging loss of the season at home to the Pittsburgh Panthers. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining me, even on a very sad day where we are trying to comprehend what happened last night in the Smith Center with Carolina's confounding loss to the Pittsburgh Panthers 65-64. We're going to unpack it. We'll have a little therapy session together, and uh, maybe we can all breathe a little sigh after that and move on with our day looking ahead to Saturday and Duke. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Coming up on today's show, we're going to debrief this game, try to unpack it, make some sense of it, including the Four Corners recap, the shady stats of the game. I got two of them for you today. And we will preview the women's game, plus a little trying to figure out what happened with all this wild uh, Jason Capel stuff after the game. But the biggest takeaway from this thing, let's get right into it. Carolina was simply not tough enough. I'm saying that. Coach Davis is saying that. So it's not just something that I'm coming out with and I'm just throwing daggers. It's how the head coach felt about this game. For me, coming off a week off, remember Carolina hadn't played since last Tuesday at Syracuse, I expected a Carolina team like rearing and ready to go. But it just wasn't the level we've seen lately. Like legitimately heading into this game, I thought the Tar Heels would win very comfortably to establish themselves nationally, right? They've been kind of rebuilding and reestablishing trust with with AP voters and others. Um, And it just wasn't there. It wasn't there. They, they weren't able to say, hey, here we are. Pay attention. We just dominated a team that's right around us in the ACC standings. That's me talking about it. Listen to what Coach Davis said post game. We weren't disciplined enough to win this game. We weren't tough enough to win this game. We didn't make enough shots to win this game. We didn't play good enough defense to win this game. And all of that is where we start. Like, And it's not just in this one game. It's like a trend now with Pitt. They've controlled this series lately. For the second straight year, as I said, they knock off Carolina at home. Not as embarrassing as last year's loss, but still a game that the Tar Heels should not lose. Pitt has now won three straight at the Dean Dome. They've won five of six overall in the series. Coach Davis is 25-3 and in his young head coaching career at the Smith Center. A great and respectable record. But two of those three losses are to Pittsburgh. It's confounding. Again, part of of the lack of toughness is this is Carolina's first loss at home. It's also their first loss outside of Quadrant 1 in the NCAA's metrics. That's going to be a resume drop. Uh, It's going to hurt Carolina's resume. So why is all of this? I want to look at the lack of toughness in two areas. Number one, mentally, and number two, physically. So let's, let's start with mental lack of toughness. And I'll give you a couple examples. I'm sure you've got some of your own. I'd love to hear what they are, in fact. 
But let's start at the end of the game with lack of mental toughness. After Jamarius Burton's free throws to put Pitt ahead, there were 3.4 seconds left. Not much time, but you execute these things and you work on them in practice. In fact, Coach Davis said, hey, we had that one timeout in our pocket. We, before the free throws, had put a play in place to get the ball across half court without taking a dribble. That saves time. RJ or whomever can catch it, call timeout, and then you've got two or so seconds to be able to make a play. They're not able to do that. RJ has to dribble across half court and take a timeout. Consequently, there are only six-tenths of a second left, and Caleb Love's not able to get that final shot off before the time runs out. So there's that. Not the mental toughness to execute that end of play, end of game, I should say, scenario. Number two, uh, part of the lack of mental toughness. Let's establish this fact. Pittsburgh is not as talented a team as North Carolina. They have some really good players. I, I don't want to begrudge them or belittle them, but from a pure talent standpoint, North Carolina has more. So Pittsburgh, because of that, has to find other ways to win. So what do they do? They muck it up. They're, they're real chippy. They play handsy. They play to get under your skin. And Carolina succumbed to that at times. R.J. Davis on more than one occasion. He even got that double technical because R.J., usually calm, cool, uh, calm, cool, collected demeanor, he got he got a little bothered. They also got under Armando Baycott's skin, and he had two what I would call frustration fouls responding to what he thought should have been called by the refs but, but wasn't getting called. And so th they were able to to get to the Tar Heels. And that's what they have to do to win this game. And they did, and they won. Another lack of mental toughness to me was shot selection at times. Um, as, as we've come to live with in the Caleb Love era, multiple of those were him. Like I think of, for example, there was just under three minutes left in the game uh, and the ball got kicked out to him in the corner and he took an off balance falling out of bounds three that wasn't even close. Um, and there, there were other things from other players, but it's that kind of stuff that you, every possession has to matter so much that you can't be taking those shots. Um, and now listen, I'm going to praise Caleb later because I thought he had a very solid game outside of some of that shot selection stuff, but there's that. Uh, another area of lack of mental toughness for me was the lack of feeding Armando Baycott enough. Now, a lot of that is because of Pittsburgh's defense. They scouted it well. They were ready to go. But the Tar Heels have to diagnose that better and have to figure out how to get the ball consistently to the ACC preseason player of the year to get more than five shot attempts in the first half. And I know he got fouled. He drew 11 fouls, got to the free throw line a bunch. Um, but there's that. Another area that shows lack of mental toughness from this game. Mondo got trapped one of that the last possession or next to last possession for Carolina where he traveled Carolina had the ball up one 44 seconds Mondo said he didn't realize he was like I, I could maybe call a timeout but I don't remember for sure that we have any you got to be mentally tougher than that and he admitted that I'm not I'm not saying anything he didn't say but still the fact remains and then just some overall lack of mental toughness that coach Davis talked about he said this is a season-long narrative for us. It's about discipline and it's about details. And we've got to have that consistently. He used the phrase, we've got to tighten the screws more on the little things that make, uh, that lead to winning. 
and we're not doing that. He said, we've got to stay on script, do the things we've been practicing, do the things we've been preparing for and execute that. Clearly, uh, he doesn't believe that his team is doing that consistently. You got to be more mentally tough. And Carolina wasn't enough on Wednesday night. Let's move to the physical toughness that I thought was missing from this game. Now, let me start by saying, though, there were moments where Carolina rose to the occasion and were tough enough. But that's just the thing. It was moments. For example, as Coach Davis said post game, they didn't match or we didn't match Pitt's fight consistently. He also said we didn't, we had moments, but we didn't sustain it. That's what he's looking for is that sustained take the fight back, to, not take it back to them, but be the aggressor. And Carolina wasn't. Pitt was, it's a classic case of Pitt was the aggressor and Carolina was not ready to stay to that level to play with them. Not not to like fight off the court, but to to fight within the, the, the scope of the basketball game. I thought another thing that contributed to Carolina's lack of physical toughness was this season-long storyline of the lack of bench depth. Outside of the starters, no Tar Heel played double-digit minutes in this game. DeMarco Dunn had the sixth most minutes, and he played nine. And a lot of that was just because Leakey's foul trouble in the second half. That that the the starting five aren't going to be able to sustain Pitt's level of physicality if they're playing so many minutes. That's just a, a, a factor there. And then on the Mondo side of things, he finishes with 15 and 11, which for a lot of people is a great day, but for him, it's just a, a, a Mondo game, you know? Um, but in so doing, he was only three of 10 from the field. Pittsburgh was very physical with him in the post, not letting him get position, doubling, aggressively doubling. They had a lot of fouls to give from the front court and give them, they did. And, and honestly, there were moments where Frederico Frederico, like I thought was able to wall off Mondo and stop him from operating the way he wanted to. It's not often that you see somebody able to kind of push Mondo around a little bit, but I thought Mondo was not able to get his shots off. Now he drew 11 fouls, right? Like I said, uh, Pitt was more than willing to give up fouls on Mondo, but he wasn't hitting free throws at a high level. And so they're good with that. And as I have already said, they got under his skin. They rankled him. Now, to be fair, let, let's um, Mondo, much to his credit, owned all of this. And he kept saying post game, I didn't play well. I, I didn't do a good enough job getting post position where it needed to be. I've got to be more active in doing those things. And kudos to, to any young man who has the not only the self-awareness, but also the forthrightness to raise his hand and say, yeah, that's on me. I really appreciate that. Um, and so the, the other thing, going back to the end of game scenario with, with thinking about the lack of physical toughness, end of game. Armando Baycott hits those two free throws that put Carolina ahead by one, 64-63. After that, Pitt misses a shot. Carolina calls a timeout with 44 seconds left. So you've got the ball coming out of a timeout, up one with 44 seconds left. You can basically get the game down to 15 seconds, and at worst, you're up one. Coach Davis talked about that and said, in those two possessions, Carolina's right there, the one where Mondo traveled, and then Pitt's there, the one where R.J. Davis fouled um, Jamarius Burton to get the free throws to give Pitt the lead. He said, you've got to score and you've got to get stops. And in those two final possessions, you needed one score or one stop or both, and we got neither, 
right? If Carolina had either scored on the possession where Mondo traveled or stopped Pitt on the other end, they win that basketball game. Just didn't even have to do both. Just needed one of them, but they couldn't get either. And that Carolina was not physical tough, physically tough enough to be able to pull that off. One other thing, all of that said, I'm not blaming the refs for this loss. Um, however, I do want to call them out for what I thought was a lack of an in for a, for an inconsistent whistle, for a lack of consistency with their whistle. I thought um, they were trying to get control of the game that had already gotten out of control a little bit. And in so doing, that's when Leakey got his like third and fourth fouls because all of a sudden they're calling ticky-tack fouls to try to rein things back in. Well, it's just like an umpire in strike zone. You, I, like, I get that you're human and you're going to have bad calls sometimes, but at least make bad calls consistently. And, and that was tough for these teams to know, how am I going to be refereed in this game? Speaking of which, on the refereeing, let me clear up uh, the confusion around the final shot that Caleb Love got off, right? That three-pointer, it was clear he was fouled and was not able to finish his follow-through on the shot. The problem was, go back and look at my Twitter. I've got a still shot of it up. When, when the buzzer sounds for end of the game and the red light goes off to indicate the game's over, you can clearly see the ball is still in his hand. At that point, the game is over and the shot hasn't left. And so it doesn't matter that he was fouled after the. If he was fouled as he's in the act there before the buzzer went off, yeah, you award three free throws there. But unfortunately for Carolina, the ball didn't get off. And so the foul didn't occur till after the game's over. And so it's a moot point. So just, just to clear that up, the refs got that right. Um, so <laughs> there's that. All right, coming up in just a second, we are going to have our four corners recap and our shady stats of the game. But before we get there, let me tell you that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, which is the only app you need at this year's Super Bowl party. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, even better, they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now and you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. And FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who scores the first touchdown, all of that great stuff. Plus, the FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook is safe secure and super easy to use and you can get paid for your winnings instantly i love this app i've used it for my daily fantasy content for years and i would encourage you to do the same join fanduel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on super bowl 57 again that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel the official sportsbook partner of the nfl Okay, four corners recap, where we talk about four things that I thought were really impactful in this game. I would love to hear yours. You might have different ones from me, and uh, it's always interesting to see what, what things everyone hit on in this game. First thing for me, and I, I think this is maybe the biggest point of it, is that RJ Davis was clearly bothered by that index finger dislocation he suffered at Syracuse. Do you remember how hot he's been over the last six, seven, eight, nine games? I mean, he has been absolutely on fire. And I was worried about this. You heard me say it right after the Syracuse game and leading into this one. 
I'm nervous that RJ Davis's injury to his finger is going to be a factor because it was at the beginning of the season. Remember he entered the season with a finger issue and some tape and that caused, that's why he started slow, but it's been on fire lately. Consequently, he finishes this game three of 15 from the field. O of six from the three point line and just two for four from the free throw line. Now I say just two for four because statistically he is the best free throw shooter in the ACC this season. And so it is just two for four. And that is unfortunate um, just because of an injury. Now I know RJ is going to tell you, yeah, but I still got to make those shots. And I hear that and I appreciate that, but it's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. The cool thing about RJ is he did do some other really good things to help his team. Eight rebounds, three assists, a steal, drew an offensive charge, uh, things like that. And with the shots he took, I didn't think they were bad. He was open. They were within the rhythm of the offense. They just didn't fall. And that's going to happen sometimes, especially when you're dealing with what he is. Number two on our four corners recap. Uh, Isaac to uh, base. We are getting some signs of life from Caleb Love. I know he wasn't great from three in this game, but Caleb, hear me, eight from 18 from the field, four of 11. By the way, the rest of the team was just one of 16 from three. Caleb hit four of Tar Heels, five three-pointers. Got to get that right. Part of it, it goes back to what we just said about RJ. And then going back to Syracuse, Caleb was four for seven, three of five from three. So if you combine those last two games, he's shooting 12 of 25 from the field. That's just like, if he had made one more shot, he would be over 50%. That's great for a guard. And seven of 16 from three in the past two games. That means if he had hit one more three, he'd be at exactly 50%. And keep in mind, you know who's coming up next? Duke. That dude sees Duke jerseys and goes off. So coming out party on Saturday in Hansborough Indoor Stadium? Maybe, maybe so. Number three on our Four Corners recap. Free throws. Uh, I would ordinarily reserve this kind of thing for the shady stat of the game, but it's just, uh, it's a bitter pill to swallow in a game that you lose by one where Carolina, who has been a really, really good free throw shooting team this season, they just weren't in this one. They were 13 of 22. That means nine misses. It was their fourth worst free throw percentage in a game of the season. And six of those miss, six of those nine misses belong to Mondo. And so literally just make one more of those and you're tied. Make two more of them and you win. It's it's that kind of like, ooh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. And honestly, shooting all around was bad. 34.8% from the field, just 18.5% from three. So obviously there were multiple things that considered to this loss. We've already talked about a lot of the things with toughness and other things. But this this uh, the the shooting job Carolina did from the free throw line is certainly a glaring contributor to the loss. Number four in our four corners recap. This is a positive one. Yay! Is Pete Nance's aggression? This is two games in a row now where Pete has been hunting offense a little bit more. Obviously against Syracuse he did that and was the main facilitator out of the high post against the zone. But this is aggression now from him in two straight games. Shot six of fourteen from the field, thirteen points. And I think perhaps most importantly with what I liked about what he did offensively, three separate times he found himself with the ball in late shot clock scenarios. Because of his trust in his shot, because of his years of experience, with that shot clock running down, Pete Nance didn't freak out, 
didn't lose his mind, didn't take a rush shot. He just operated, backed down his guy into the post, made a move, and hit a shot. Three late shot clock scenarios, three made baskets for Pete Nance. Is Pete Nance all of a sudden Carolina's late shot clock guy? No, he's not going to be. But it is nice to know that Pete Nance can be trusted, highly trusted in that type of moment. All right, quickly, let's get to our two shady stats of the game. Uh, I think they are part of helping tell the story of the loss as well. Carolina, one of the things they were really tough at in a, in a show, in a podcast episode where I've been kind of bemoaning Carolina's toughness is they got 19 offensive rebounds. You don't do that if you're not tough. And I'm not saying Carolina isn't tough season long. I'm saying in this singular game, they weren't tough enough. Let me make that more abundantly clear. So 19 offensive rebounds. That's awesome. But you know what you got to do with those offensive rebounds? You got to exchange them like currency exchange for second chance points. And the Tar Heels just had 13 second chance points, 19 offensive rebounds, but only turned it into 13 second chance points. That's another area that you look at. And it's like, boy, one more made basket off of that and you win. Man, it's easy to poke holes in, in if this kind of thing. And then the other shady stat of the game is assist percentage. Against Syracuse, Carolina rebounded, sprung back to life off a game against NC State where they shot or just not shot, but had a 25% assist ratio. And it was like, oh, good. Coming back to life off of that NC State game. Unfortunately, it turns out NC State was the aberration and not the actual thing. Because in this game against Pitt, Carolina assisted on just six of their 23 made baskets, good for 26.1% assist rate. That's not going to cut it. Carolina's got to do better. And I think that's part of that lack of toughness is when things get tough, just hero balling at times instead of continuing to work together as a team they're gonna get there i believe that they can they just haven't yet all right coming up next got the women's pre for you preview for you for tonight's game as well as talking about this whole weird capel thing we'll do that in just a second okay after the game you're probably well aware jeff capel head coach of Pitt, played it uh played at duke was an assistant coach at duke jason capel an assistant coach for Pitt played at North Carolina in um, under like the Matt Doherty era. And so played through some really tough times at Carolina. And after the game, Jeff Capel, well, Jason first on the court after the game kind of had some things to say, was kind of going off about some stuff in the tunnel. There's video about that on Twitter. And then in his post-game comments, head coach Jeff Capel talked about how Carolina doesn't honor his brother well and how they've done him wrong and done him poopy, but used a different word. I'm using my daddy words here. Uh, poopy. They did me poopy. Um, I just said poopy a lot. I apologize. Um, but I, I just don't get it. North Carolina had acknowledged Jason in pregame introductions. Um, he was, cla- you know, they, the crowd clapped for him. One of the things that Jeff talked about was there was a uh, a Twitter or like some social media post from Carolina's social media team, like trolling Jason. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, I looked through and there was one um, like the, the preview post for today's game, both on Twitter and Instagram. There's always a player that they put on that to say like, Hey, game 22. And it's a picture of a player. And, and the one for this game was Creighton Lebo. Creighton Lebo in this picture is wearing jersey number 25. That's it. 
and Jason Cable wore jersey 25. In the picture, Creighton Lebo is kind of sticking his tongue out ah, and looking back at the camera, kind of in a way as Jason Cable used to do. You, If you remember his playing days, stuck his tongue out a lot and, and did that. And so um, maybe maybe they're frustrated by that. I don't I don't know what it is, but he said he he was being trolled by this, and I just don't buy it. Um, somebody even asked me on Twitter, like, hey, maybe it's because we don't usually put a walk-up on, on that picture, and so it's like, why are you doing that now with number 25 when it's Jason? But but I, I just looked back to see in three games ago against Boston College, it was Jackson Watkins was the featured player. So So that's not an argument either. This to me was weird and weak, and I don't get it. And there's just like, you just won a big game. You, you have beaten Carolina and handled this series well lately. There's, there's just no need to do that. It's pointless. Take your, take your dub, go back to Pittsburgh. We don't need that Jeff Capel. All right. I hope that doesn't sound bitter. I'm just trying to, to, to paint the picture of, of how I see it. If I'm missing something and you're seeing something that I'm not, I'd love to hear about it. Cause I don't want to be a bitter pill. <laughs> okay. North Carolina women's team. Let's get happy. These ladies are on a seven game winning streak. Got a game tonight against Virginia in Carmichael. It's on regional sports networks, whatever. Good luck finding it. Good luck finding it. The easiest thing to do is it's on ACC network extra and you can just watch it streaming at 6 PM Eastern time. This is a rematch from earlier this season at Virginia where Carolina won by 1170 to 59. It was the second game in this seven game winning streak. Here's the thing. This should be for Courtney Banghart's team, a dominant victory. Virginia is one of the bottom three teams right now in the ACC standings. But here's the thing. Basketball games are not won in conference standings. They are won and lost on the court. And so they got to go out and do it. Got to go out and perform. Interestingly enough, for the Lady Tar Heels, this is now the third straight game against one of the bottom three teams in the conference standings with Pitt, ironically enough, and Georgia Tech being the other two. And so there, there's the possibility of getting a little like, oh, are we done with this stretch yet? You know what I mean? Um, and so we got to look to see how Carolina handles that. They got to go take care of business. By the way, this is the one home game in a stretch of four out of five on the road. And it's right in the middle. Two road games, a home game, and two more road games. And so live this up. Enjoy your home crowd. Let them spur you on to an eighth straight victory. Well, as we do when uh, we're previewing a game, I want to give you four things in my W2W4, the what to watch for. Number one, last game on Sunday, Kayla McPherson played her first collegiate minutes. It was a great thing, um, and she had an opportunity to get in and get some run against a, a lower team in the conference standings and uh, was, had some great moments, had some freshman moments, as you're going to do, just getting back into things. Uh, but she was aggressive. She trusted her body, which I know is a mental hurdle that you have to overcome as an athlete. I've been through that myself with a, a really bad hamstring injury um, that it just takes a while to trust your body again. But it seems like she did. Uh, she's attacking the rim, making great plays and excited to see her in action. So this is a great opportunity to get her some more run to help work her into that stretch run Um heading in towards postseason. Number two on my W2W4, what to watch for. Um, I'm also watching, similar to how does Kayla McPherson follow up her first performance? How does Paulina Paris follow up her career-high 22 points from Sunday when she was inserted in the starting lineup again for Eva Hodgson? 
22 points, made a buttload of threes. It was great to see. Um, I'm expecting big things from Paulina. Again, the sole true freshman on this team. It's neat to just see the progression she's had all season long. And I expect more of that from her. And that's, that's a lot to start putting on this young woman's shoulders, but she can handle it or else she wouldn't be playing basketball at the university of North Carolina. Number three on the, what to watch for speaking of Eva Hudson, will she be back? She's missed two games now and obviously plays such a big role uh, for this team, both on and off the court. And she can obviously continue to play that off the court role. Um, but man, Tar Heels need to get her back in the mix continue getting depth, figuring out what the rotation looks like now with Kayla McPherson as part of it and working um, Eva back in. So hopefully she'll be able to go for this one. If not, we'll keep tabs on her recovery. And fourth and finally, I want to see a complete game from these ladies. That's what I'm watching for. Several games lately, uh, you know, for a while it had been slow starts. Lately, they've had a hot start but then kind of cool off in the second and or third quarters and then just put it away in the fourth quarter. They've been such a good fourth quarter team. Or there were those games, as I alluded to, where, man, you got a slow start in the first half, but you really turn it on in the second half and in particular in the fourth quarter. Or there's been a couple games where the third quarter, they just boat raced a team. I'm looking to see, as we've been waiting for with the men's team, can these ladies have uh, like, I want to see them win all four quarters. Maybe that's the, the way to put it. I want them to literally win all four 10 minute segments of this game. Look at the box score and see how they do with that. And right now they are just looking at the standings half game back of Florida state for third in the ACC. And so uh, a win would tie them uh, for third with FSU. A loss actually keeps them in fourth because they're a half game ahead of both Virginia Tech and Louisville. But instead of being in sole place, uh, sole possession of fourth place, they would be tied with two other teams. By the way, Louisville is the next opponent coming up on Sunday at Louisville. And so you really want to get a win here so you can get to a full game above them heading into that matchup. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Hopefully this has been cathartic for you to work through your grieving from this, again, frustrating and confounding loss. Uh, but we turn our attention immediately once we can get out of this to Durham, North Carolina in that game on Saturday early evening at Hansboro Indoor Stadium. Should be good stuff there. We'd love to ask you to review the show. If you've not previously done so, um, just give a couple words there on Apple Reviews about why you love Locked on Tar Heels and uh, what, what it means to you because that's just helps spread the footprint of this thing. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels or me at Isaac Shade. We'd love to connect with you there or through email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to the show on YouTube. We're closing in. We're getting so close to 5,000 and would love for you to be part of that. Smash the like button and leave a comment. Also, to remind you that we'd like to ask you to make your second listen, Locked On College Basketball. Myself and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. All right, I know it's a little bit of a glum day, but it's still a great day to be a Tar Heel, and better days are ahead, I promise. Think about how you'll feel it, not if, when Carolina gets a victory on Saturday night, right? Your frown just turned into a big, fat smile. You know it. All right, we'll get ready for that game tomorrow, but until then, peace. Peace.